You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. And as that video showed, uh, we do encourage you to check out all the mission opportunities here at FC. You can do that right after the service today. And and, uh, really, we want to talk this morning about what it looks like for parents to parent on mission. And, and so what does that mean and, and what does that look like? And so if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's where I want to focus today, at least begin and, and uh, begin to share a little bit uh, from God's Word today. Um, and as you're turning there, um, also know that, that next Sunday is Easter. Um, so big day, Easter on the field at Maryville High School. If you want to know where to park and other information, go to foothillschurch.com slash Easter and uh, you can get some more info there. Um, rain or shine, I think it's going to be pretty though, looking at the weather. Um, and then the week after Easter, we're going to start a series entitled The Word. So I really wanted to focus some time on um, really coming off of Easter um, with maybe some new folks, especially answering some questions about God's word. Um, Can we trust it? Is it reliable? Who put it together? And so for a few weeks, we want to look at that uh, before we jump back into the gospel of John uh, together. So excited about the upcoming uh, weeks ahead as well. So today we want to close the Happily Ever After series. And so as we do, I I want us to uh, continue our discussion on parenting. Last week we talked about parenting. We've talked about marriage and and it's so important today um, uh, in today's world that we are intentional about teaching our kids what the mission of God is and and what it really looks like. Because essentially as our kids are little, some of us have our little kids in here today, when they're little, um, we, they come to church because, well, basically we make them. And um, so as they get older, they get into middle school, they get into high school, um, things begin to change a little bit. Um, largely in middle school, our kids' faith is, is still connected to our faith. But as they get into high school, they begin to develop a faith of their own. They begin to believe uh, and realize that they have to believe in Jesus on their own and, and really make him theirs. Um, and, and they can't uh, just be connected or tied to our faith uh, no, any longer. They have to connect with the Lord on their own. And so a lot of that has to do with finding their identity, who they are. Every kid in the room is struggling with that question. Who am I? Uh, They're asking that every day and it's why we think that they have multiple personalities, but they really don't. But they're one way with their friends. They're one way with us as parents. They're one way with people at church. And so they're different in all these cases. And, And the reason is because they're trying to figure out who they are. Who am I? Am I what people say I am? And so when people make fun of them or call them names or whatever, is that true? Am I identifying with that? And, um, or or they, are they, they're, they're trying to discover who they are and what they do. And so I'm a, I'm a basketball player, I'm a football player, I'm a, I'm a, a, you know, whatever. And so we have to, as parents, really begin to train and teach them that they aren't what people say they are. They, they aren't what they do. Um, we have to discover who we are in, in Christ. Uh, Because it's only when we ask our creator who we are and what our purpose is that we discover what real meaning and what and and who we really are. Um, You can't find yourself in various relationships. You know, people try to find who they are by dating a lot of people or uh, they think if I just travel, I'll find myself or, you know, try to find myself in the college experience and we're trying to discover who I am. But you're not gonna find out who you are in any of those things. The only way that we discover who we are is when we look to our creator and when we find out who we are in Christ, we begin to realize, and, and this is important for parents to teach our kids, that they are a, a, a child of God, created for a purpose and they're loved by God. That's one of the foundational truths that I want my kids to learn. 
that, that they are created for a purpose, that they are a unique child of God and that God loves them. And it's out of that truth that they can begin to develop who they are and, and begin to answer that question of who am I? And so I'm a created uh, child of God. I'm loved by God and, and, and they can begin to understand who they are in Christ as a result. And, and really to know who we are in Christ, we have to really begin to know what God's mission is because we can't really know who he is without understanding you know, what he's doing in the world. If Jesus is real, if he died on the cross, he's coming back again, then I've got to prepare my kids for the day that they're going to meet Jesus. And so how can I, in light of the mission of God, raise them in, in the best way possible? And so that's what I want us to look at. And, and as moms and dads, we've got to realize you might be great people. You might love the Lord. People around you, you know, know that you love the Lord. But my question for you is this, are you intentional about teaching and leading your kids on and through the mission of God? Are you asking questions like this? What is, what is God's plan for your life? Not just what do you wanna do with your life, but what does God want you to do with your life? And so I think we can begin in, in Deuteronomy 6 and, and realize that our faith um, cannot be transferred to our kids. In other words, I can't make them believe like I want them to believe. I, I can't force them to have the faith that I have, but I can lead them in that direction. It's so important. I think um, Dr. Christian Smith, uh, a sociologist from the University of Notre Dame, says this. Well, and by the way, Notre Dame almost won last night. Oh, that was so close. I was hoping. That was the first time in my life that I rooted for Notre Dame, by the way, if you cared. Anyway, this is what, this is what he says. He says, the most important social influence in shaping young people's religious lives is the religious life modeled and taught to them by their parents. When it comes to a kid's faith, parents get what they are. <laughs> Let that sink in for a moment. When it comes to a kid's faith, parents get what they are. Now, depending on who you are in the room today, that might excite you or that might scare the pants off of you. <laughs> I mean, to, to think that the responsibility of raising our children you know, has so much to do with our religious experience, with, with our faith, puts a whole new spin on what it means to lead spiritually in your family, I think. And so I want us to look at Deuteronomy 6 and realize that your family is your first and foremost mission field. When we talk about God's mission, when we talk about what it looks like to be on mission in the world, in this church, we've got to realize that our family as moms and dads, that is our first mission field. I know so many pastors that, that have put their ministry ahead of their family. And so they've invested in people and done great things in people, but then their family suffered as a result of their time being away. And so I don't wanna get that wrong. I love you guys, but my family comes first when it comes to discipling them and, and pouring into them. And so in light of that statement that our, our family is our first and foremost mission field. Let's see what God's word says in Deuteronomy 6. Very familiar uh, passage this morning. He says this in verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Let's just pause right there. And if you're taking notes, in order to parent on mission, Mom and dad, you first have to commit yourself to God. 
you first have to commit yourself to God. He says, look at it again. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. In other words, mom and dad, you know, you and I have to put Christ first in our life. It's really frustrating to see moms and dads who expect their kids to behave a certain way or to do a certain thing. And yet they themselves are not holding themselves to the same standard. They want their kids to live a certain way, but they aren't willing to live that way. And so if we want to raise kids on mission with God, in other words, experience God in a fresh new way and and, and live their life as faithful stewards, then we've got to love God. We've got to show them what it looks like to love God with all of our heart, with all of our might, with all of our soul and give that energy to the Lord. It's not something that we just do on Sunday. It's not something that we just tack on at the end of our schedule when we have time for it. No, serving Jesus is important. It's one of the, the, it's the biggest priority that we have. And so I don't want them to just be religious. I want them to love Jesus. I want them to surrender to Jesus. Every area of their life, I want them to follow his plan for their life. Don't follow dad's plan because my plan for your life is gonna be a fraction of what God wants to do in your life. So, so follow his plan, go after his plan. And that takes me being committed to the Lord first and foremost. And then let's continue. The next thing he says, if you're taking notes, is is, is basically to put in, create a spiritual rhythm in your family. Here's what he says. Verse seven, you shall teach them. He's he's, obviously talking to parents. So he's saying, you love God first and then you teach these principles. Teach them diligently to your children. I love that word diligently because it means you've got to be persistent. You've got to be intentional. It's not easy. It's never going to be easy. Your kids aren't gonna file into the living room. Oh, teach us about Jesus, daddy. It's just not gonna, people think I'm, you know, as a pastor, my kids are like walking around with their hands folded singing hymns all the time. They don't do that, you know? And so we have to be diligent. We have to keep it as a priority. We have to focus. We have to pour energy into it, even when we don't feel like it. And, and, And he says, I want you to diligently teach these things to your children. Here's how he practically says you'll do it. You'll create a rhythm. He says this, you'll, you'll talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. It's very practical there. Create a spiritual rhythm in your family. Here, here are a few areas that I wanna encourage you today to, to do this. First of all, when he says, when you sit at your house. So essentially talk about the Lord at home. Talk about God in every, you know, as much as you can, you know, just pepper it with every conversation that you have. You fit God into the conversation. And so you're, you're intentional about it. So I do encourage you to have a family devotion at least once a week, you know, maybe for your schedules, it's once a month. It's sometime, it's a scheduled time. You're reading God's word. You want your kids to hear you reading God's word. You wanna pray with them. You know, when our kids were, were, were really, really little, when they were like, you know, two and three, that, that, that was short. It was a short time, but it was still intentional. And so just planting those seeds of truth in their life, we talk about it at home, not just on Sunday mornings. And, and so to do that, we ask them questions and we wanna ask them questions that's, that will engage their faith and engage you know, their mind and what, what God is doing around them. I don't know about you, but as a, as a dad, I've asked a lot of dumb questions. Anybody ask dumb questions to their kids? I'll give you an example. Um, one time when, when my kids were really little, you know, you're trying to teach them how to take care of their room on their own, you know, and when they're, you know, one and two years old, you're going in and you're basically doing everything and you're trying to teach them, you know, pick up your toys and here's what it looks like. But by the time they get to around four, you know, they should be able to do this on their own um, in, in large ways. And so 
I remember teaching this specifically to my son, uh, Bryson. And so I was, I was telling him, you know, I went into his room and like, I remember it just being a sea of toys and clothes. I couldn't even see the carpet in the room. It was just a, a, like a bomb had exploded. I know your kids are probably much neater than my kids, but, but, but it, was, it was just awful. So I said, Bryson, you've got to clean up your room. And he wanted me to help him. And I said, no, you can do this on your own, clean it up. And so I left. And so, you know, five minutes later, he's running down the steps. He's like, dad, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And I'm like, I mean, that would have taken me about an hour to clean up. How in the world is this done? So I go up the steps and I walk in and sure enough, the room was beautiful. I could see the carpet, every toy was picked up. All the clothes were picked up. And I thought, man, this is incredible. My son gets it, you know? And then I went to the closet. (laughs) And you've been here, right? I opened up the closet door and it's like a sea of toys and clothes just fall out, you know, and almost knock me down. And I'm like, Bryson, here's the dumb question. Why did you do that? And he looks at me and he says, because you told me to. (laughs) And I'm like, in my mind, I didn't tell you to do it that way. But how often as a parent, we assume they know what we want them to do just by a simple command of clean your room. And, And that's just a dumb question. And so I ask why too often, why did you, you know, hit your brother? because he made fun of me. Oh, that was a dumb question. There's a reason why for every sin, right? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Because of this, because of that. And so what I'm learning is the why question is a dumb question. The better question is a what question. So instead of asking why, ask what. You know, what could you have done better? What did you do wrong? And by asking that, I can get more to the heart of the matter. I can get more to the heart of the problem and not just get a bunch of excuses. I mean, at the end of the day, we've read this book. So, so we know the why behind their mistakes. The why is because they're sinful creatures that make a lot of um, um, not smart decisions, right? And so as moms and dads, I know the why, but I, I wanna get to the what so that I can help them grow in their faith. And so we wanna talk about this at home. And so we're gonna, we're gonna ask, what was the best part of your day? What was the worst part? What are you learning in small group? What are you learning on Wednesday nights? What are you learning at school? We're asking all these what questions. And then here's something I think parents miss a lot of times, and that is telling our kids what we are learning. So let them hear you talk about what you're learning and what, what, what God is teaching you in your devotion and what scripture you're reading and, and what your small group is doing and what you're praying for. And because, because if we're just asking the what to them or the why to them, then, then we, we miss a very important truth. And that is they need to see in us that we are living this out and thinking through it, just like we're asking them to think through it. So then he says, when you walk by the way, Well, when you walk by the way for them, that's travel for them. So they didn't have cars, so they're walking everywhere. And so for us, we call this drive time. And so drive time is an important time. How how can we have good conversations in the car? Now, sometimes, you know, it's great just to listen to music, but, but I would encourage you not just to listen to any, you know, radio station, but to put in a worship album or to put in Christian music so that you can hear these songs and, and then even talk about these songs, why you thought this song was great or, or what this song means. I mean, Remember that much of the worship songs that every song that we sing comes right from scripture. And so, so what does that mean? And, and, and where is it in, the, in God's word? And, and what's that mean for our life? And, and that's a great conversational piece. And so, so we wanna do that, but we also wanna use that time just to ask questions, get to know our kids, who they're hanging out with, who's their best friends, what are they doing in, in, you know, in sports? And, and um, you know, what are the things that they are you know, excited about? What are some of the movies they want to see? I mean, we just get real practical and, and just have conversations with our kids. I, 
I think it's important every now and then to have a dance off to a Taylor Swift song. I think it's perfectly natural. And, um, and you know, just shake it up a little bit and, um, and, and have some fun. So drive time is, is a good um, routine. And then we've got meal time. I mean, you guys know and heard all the stats about families that eat together and, and, and how much that influences a child's life. And so encourage you as much as possible to eat together every night if possible. If you travel and you can't do that, do it as much as possible and use that time, that 30 minutes to an hour, however long it takes you to eat, to talk about you know, what's going on, asking good questions, not dumb questions, and, and engaging kids with what they like and with what they are doing. And, and by using that time appropriately, you are, you are putting God into the conversation. So when there's an issue at school with family, with, with, um, you know, with maybe a friend, there's some drama going on you know, in their life, then you're asking questions like, well, what does God you know, wanna do through that situation? Or have you prayed about that? What do you think God's plan is in that? What does the Bible say about that? And by doing that, we're, we're getting the attention off of the problem and we're putting it on Jesus. So i teaching them, you can go to Jesus to get this solved. You can go to Jesus for help. You can, you can press into him to, to understand how to process problems. You know, and I want them to be comfortable with talking about problems and, and, and know that, that this is, this is a, a, an appropriate place to come and, and have this dialogue. Um, I think this ongoing conversation is huge. I, lastly, I would say hang time. And so just a, a simple routine of when we go and have fun, we're doing things that, that maybe um, is a date night. So it's me and just one of my daughters or just me and my son and my wife takes my son or one of my daughters. You know, we're just one-on-one time is huge for our kids. And so we wanna, we wanna enter into that conversation during those times where there's no rivalries going around with other siblings and it's just us and our, and our kids uh, one-on-one. I think all of this is, is, is part of a spiritual rhythm that we create in, in our life and in our family. And we have this ongoing conversation, this dialogue about what, what's happening. And it's not just, you know, disciplining and it's not just, you know, you're doing this wrong behavior stuff. It's, it's a conversation about faith and life and, and what's going on. I don't know about you, but when I was young, when my dad ever said, Trent, we need to talk, I knew basically what that meant is, is he found out, <laughs> you know, he found out and so I'm in trouble. And so I don't want that to be the, the instinct for my kids. When I say let's talk or I want to talk, I want them, you know, to be excited about that. I want them to know that means Starbucks or something, ice, something good is going to happen along with it or, you know, and so, so it's not just the negative things, but it's the positive things. So this is a spiritual rhythm that we want to create in, in our families. Imagine this conversation um, with like a suitcase and, and our kids, you know, they're going on a journey just like you are and um, they're gonna leave one, <clears throat> one day. And when they're little, the, the suitcase, you know, when, anytime you travel, anytime you go on a vacation, you pack a suitcase, right? And so your kids are packing the suitcase for their journey. And when they're little, it's wide open. I mean, they believe everything that you say because your mom and your dad, you're Superman, you're Superwoman, everything is, is awesome when you say it. And so, so, so they believe it. And so you're packing it in with all this stuff. God loves you. You're created by God. He, he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And as they get older, that suitcase lid begins to shut. And they, they care less about what you believe and what you teach. And, and so that, that day's coming. And so you're still sliding things in as quickly and as much as possible, hopefully. By the time they get to 16, 17, 18, the lid of the suitcase is shut. And very soon, one day, they're gonna come down the steps with that suitcase. And this time when they leave, 
they're not coming back. And I think as parents, we have to realize that we should parent in light of that day. As sad as that day will be for many of us, some of you guys are gonna throw a party, others of you are gonna be sad. But in light of that day when they leave, I wanna know as a parent that I did everything that I could to pack everything that they're gonna need in that suitcase. So we've gotta commit ourselves to the Lord. We've gotta understand that we've gotta create some form of a spiritual rhythm in our life. And so there's, there's drive time, meal time, hang time. I didn't mention bedtime, but that's a great routine as well, especially if your kids are little. I mean, hopefully you're reading a Bible story before you, they go to bed, you're praying with them. The storybook Bible in our cafe is, is, is the best. I, every story points to Jesus. I encourage you guys to use something like that. As they get older, the, the Bible story is gonna change. They, they don't need the Bible story or want that anymore as they get older. Um, but the conversation is still real. I mean, my, my, sometimes it's a long time that I spend, you know, tucking them in or putting them to bed. And sometimes it's a short time, but, but the rhythm and the routine is that they know I'm coming and they expect that, <clears throat> that to happen. And so um, what does that look like for you? Take advantage of those times because when they're in high school, that, that time is gonna be over and that part of the, the journey is done. And so we wanna take advantage of that routine in our, our families. Thirdly, if you're taking notes, so not only are we committed to God and putting him first in our life and, and we are creating that spiritual rhythm, but we also wanna teach our kids what God's mission is. What in the world is God's mission? What is he doing in the world and what is he expecting of us, his creation? And so for that, we wanna to turn to Matthew 28 and look at verse 18 because this is the essence of why the church exists. This is the essence of why we do what we do as, as Christians. Everything that we do centers around what Jesus says in this passage. Here's what he says in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, talking to the disciples, this is after he died on the cross and after um, he rose from the grave. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just let that sink in for a second. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth is, is, is given to Jesus. That means he is in command. He is in control. So no matter what he says next ought to be a priority in our life. If he is the one in control and he says, this is what we're supposed to do, then it should be a priority in our life. Our life should revolve around whatever, is, whatever the guy in charge is saying we should be doing. And here's what he says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The mission of God is very simple, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Our vision statement here at FC is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. So that means that everything that we do is revolving around making disciples we don't, you know, we don't wanna do anything that's not gonna help us uh, uh, to that end. And, and, and how can we do that better is, is, is the question. We see that in Jesus's life, he modeled this to us, how, how to make disciples. And, and he had 12 guys that he poured into and that he showed what it meant to love God and to serve God. And then he released them to do ministry. And so that's our model. That's why small groups are so vital. That's why relational environments are so important to us because we believe that's what Jesus did. And, and, and our mission, our goal is simply to make disciples. And so we wanna, we wanna seek to do that. Um, how he leads us 
uh, to do that. And so I want my kids to know this is what the mission of God is. We make disciples. I make disciples. And, and, and as kids, we want them to know they can participate in that mission as well. And how they can do that, number four, is we let them experience God's mission and what it feels like. So many ways, I think as parents, sometimes we, we get in the way and hinder them from experiencing the mission of God. But our kids, they need to feel what it feels like to be serving and loving God and be on mission with Him. They need to rub shoulders with people of different cultures and different races. They need to interact with, with those who are in poverty. They need to see the look of desperation in people's eyes. Because if they don't, we, I mean, it's very easy to shelter our kids and protect them from the big bad world. But guess what? They're gonna walk out the front door with their suitcase and they're gonna have to live in this big bad world. And if you haven't prepared them well enough for that, they're gonna get eaten alive. And so I want them to serve with me. I want them to go to the homeless shelters and see what, what, what some people are experiencing in our city. I want them to go on mission with me overseas and I want them to you know, have fun and play with kids who have nothing. I want them to see what it looks like for a man to, to not have anything but still have joy because he has Jesus. The biggest life-changing experiences in my life happened when I was in college. The first, right after the first year of college for me, I, I, went to, uh, I went on a mission trip overseas to Africa and I was raised in a church, so I was always in church. I knew a lot about, you know, the Bible and, and I knew a lot about what it meant, you know, what it means to follow Jesus. And yet I had never really truly felt the mission of God. I'd, I'd never really seen God use me to change lives. And so for two weeks I spent, uh, never shared my story, never shared uh, the gospel. And for two weeks I was put in the position where I had to do that. And I was very nervous and I fumbled and it was awful. But over the course of those two weeks, I saw that through my story and through that, that, that awful attempt to share the gospel, people received Jesus. And, and, and I saw that hopelessness in some people's eyes. I, I, I walked and you know, hung out with the poorest of the poor. And, and, I, and I played with kids that, that had nothing. And, and all of those experiences, God radically changed my life because I was finally feeling what it felt like to be on mission with God and the power of God and his spirit within me and, and through me and seeing lives beginning to change. That forever changed my life. It was one of the biggest two weeks of my entire life when my faith became authentic and real and I saw God move in me for the first time and and I, and I want my kids to feel the Holy Spirit in their life. I want them to feel what it feels like to be on mission with God. And so I can't manipulate the Holy Spirit. I can't make him, you know, do something and make him, make my kids experience something. All I can do is position my kids and my family where I feel like God is moving. And if God is moving in this area or that area and we go and we be a part of his mission there and then my prayer is that the spirit would work through them and they would experience it and feel it and know that it is real and know that, it is, that it's a, there is a power there like no other. To feel the mission of God, we've got to position our kids in environments where they're gonna be able to serve him. So whether that's going overseas, whether that's going downtown at 
to the Knox Area Rescue Mission that's going to our food pantry here that we, we support and serve in there. Whether it's serving here on, on this campus on Sunday mornings or throughout the week, letting them see you and experience that, that service and that ministry together is huge. To feel this mission of God, you've got to help your kids prioritize their time because they just want to go, 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 go to the next thing, go to the next sport, go to the next practice. They'll run our life, won't they, if we let them. And so we've got to prioritize our time that, that, that Jesus is not just something we add on when we're done with everything else. No, we give him first priority and we, we make sure we are carving out appropriate time to serve him. Feeling the mission of God is also in everyday life. So when our kids are involved in sports, they have relationships. So I want my kids to know, hey, invite your kids or your, your friends to church and talk about your faith and, 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 and pray with kids and, and start Bible studies on your, your school campus and, and make this something that you are very public about and, and you're talking about this and, and, and making this a big part of your life. This is what it means to be on mission with God. For you, you God has given you a job, hopefully, and in that job, there are people in your sphere of influence. You know, you, maybe you're the boss and you've got people under you or you've got a boss, you're working with people. These are all people in your influence. You've got customers, people coming in. If you're a teacher, you've got kids in your classroom. These are the people that God has put in your life. How are you serving them? How are you, how are you on mission to share God's truth with them and, and invest in their life and invite them to church and, and encourage them in their faith? I want my kids to know that. I want them to know that the talents that God gives to them, um, he giveth and he taketh away, by the way. And so what, what he gives to us talent-wise, we wanna leverage our talents for God's mission. You know, we talk to people all the time who are doing awesome here at our church. God has given them a, a practice or a business or something, they're doing well at it. And so the, they use their resources for God's mission or, or because of their giftedness, when they go on mission, they're able to use those gifts overseas or, or downtown or down the street. And, and that's what it means to be on mission, that we use the talents God has given to us for his glory. We also wanna know that it's, it's, it's an influence that we gain. When we're good at something, we have influence. And so when God gives us a platform, when he gives us influence in our life, we wanna use that influence to support and, 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 and build the kingdom of God as best as we can. So every child is obviously different. Every child is unique. There's no formula. There's no promise that if you do this, this, and this, and these four steps that your kids are gonna be awesome. I mean, you could do this, you could create the spiritual rhythm, you could do your very best, you know, teaching them everything they need to know. And yet when they go to college, when they become an adult, um, they may walk away from their faith. And you could look back and say, what in the world happened? Where did we go wrong? How, how, did, we, how did we miss it? What did we do? And, and at the end of the day, what you have to realize is that you can't make your kids believe like you believe. You guide them, you show them, but ultimately it's their decision. That's why it's so important that we, we, we teach them what it feels like and they, they begin to experience this. And, and, and what we have to realize is that God loves our kids more than we do. I remember when I read that for the first time that, that God loves my kids more than I do. And I, I wrestled with that. I thought, nah, man, I love my kids more than anything. You know, I would give them anything. I would do anything. I would sacrifice my life for them. And, and even yet, God's love blows my love out of the water. My love doesn't even compare to the grace that he has bestowed on them. 
my plan for their life doesn't hold a candle to the plan that God has for them. And so in light of that, I wanna know that, that I, can, I can trust God. I can trust God that, that he loves them more than I do. And his plan is far greater than my plan. I think sometimes when our kids, you know, maybe walk away from their faith, I think that we like to manipulate as parents the situation. And so we can manipulate, you know, hey, Easter's coming up. If you'll come to church with me, you know, maybe they'll get saved and they'll be radically changed. And so we talk them in, manipulate them to come. Or we try to get somebody at our church to call them and, 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 and talk to some sense into them, like that's gonna do it. Or we try to, you know, maybe if we could just get them, you know, to be friends with somebody at the church, then maybe then they would come, you know, to faith or come back around. And sure, God uses a service. Sure, God uses relationships. But, but here's the most important thing that I, that I want you to get. If, you're, if your kids are, are walking away from their faith or they've already done that, maybe they're grown children today. In the Sticky Faith research from the book I was talking about last week, Sticky Faith, um, what they discovered is that <clears throat> the kids that grew up in youth group and then at some point in their life when they went to college or as adults and they walked away from their faith, they said that their research is coming back that between 30 and 60%, now that's a big gap I know, but that's, that's what they're finding. Almost 60% of the kids that were in youth group that walked away from their faith came back to their faith at one point or another. And the largest determining factor of that coming back to their faith was the relationship that they had with their parents. Restoration, they said, normally happens through a relationship with mom and dad. So what that means is, no matter what my kids do in the future, no matter how far away from the Lord they might walk, no matter how far away from God their life begins to, to, to take place, that, that they're gonna know mom and dad always love you. And I'm always gonna give them an unconditional love. When you think about the essence of the gospel, what is it? I mean, we are, we are dedicating our life to people that are ungodly. We are loving those who are hard to love. We're sacrificing our time and our energy for people that we don't know. We're giving money away so that we can enlarge God's kingdom and make disciples of, the, of, of these people. We don't know them. So when it comes to our children, why in the world would we think differently? Listen, I understand boundaries and, and if the kid's involved in drugs or you know, alcohol, whatever, we set boundaries, not in our house. And this is, this is our stance. And I'm gonna confront sin where, where, where it's appropriate. You know, when sin is in their life, I want them to know this is what dad thinks and, and I disagree with this. But I also know this, my kids are always my kids, no matter what lifestyle they're living. And just like in the prodigal son's story, the father is waiting for the son to return. And when he sees the prodigal son coming back to the family, the Bible says that he runs to the son and he gives him the best coat. He puts a ring on his finger and he throws a huge party because his son who was dead is now alive. And, and so no matter how far away your kids might walk from the Lord, we know that God loves them more than we love them. And we know that when they are young, if we are having conversations with them about faith and we're, we're, we're teaching them God's truth, those are strong and powerful seeds that were planted. And they are still there. They have not been scorched. 
those seeds are still there that you planted and we trust that his love and his grace is still much larger and still much bigger than, than anything we could possibly imagine. So this unconditional love that comes from parents is really part of the, the, the avenue that research is showing that, that, that kids are returning. And so I encourage you, no matter where your kids are at, reach out to them, love them, confront sin, yes, but show them an unconditional love just like your heavenly father shows you when you mess up and when you fail. His grace is sufficient for you and it is sufficient for them as well. And finally, I would say this, whether your kids are young, whether your kids are in the faith now or whether they're far from faith today, we wanna make a habit and practice of committing our children to the Lord. Giving our children to the Lord and, and envisioning that I think in our minds is even helpful because we have a tendency as mom and dad to try to control the situation, to try to control you know, where they go, what they do, how they act, what they say. And as they get older, we realize that control is, gets to be smaller and smaller. And when they become 18 and adults, then that control is completely gone. And so the point is that we recognize that God is in control. He loves them more than us. They belong to Him. God has given us our children for a season. They don't belong to us. They belong to God. And so I want to make a practice of committing them to the Lord. I read a, a story of a dad that envisioned this. And he said he, he, he envisioned taking his young daughter up this mountain. And at the top of the mountain, he and his wife saw Jesus and they, they give their daughter to the Lord. And, and Jesus embraces them because they were having a hard time with that and just committing their, 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 their child to the Lord and the things that she was going through. And and he said his wife turned around and, and walked down the mountain. But right before he could just give God complete control, trust God and walk down the mountain himself, he said that he reached back up and he, he took his daughter's arms and, 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 and took his daughter from the arms of Jesus. Because for him, he just could not trust that God was gonna bring her through what she was going through at that point in time. And, and he looks back on that and, and the issues and the problems that he had um, after that. And, and, and his, his prayer in sharing the story was that, that people that would hear it would say, you know what, God's in control. God loves our children. We do our best to guide them and plant the truth of God in their life. But at the end of the day, he's in control. And I'm gonna trust him. And so today we wanna close with an opportunity for each of us as moms and dads to do that. Whether your kids are young um, and they're in the room, I wanna encourage you to bring them to the front and, and, and pray over them and commit them to the Lord. Ask God to bless them. Ask God for his favor. Ask God for, for his direction in their life and, and trust him with these children. So it's more about your heart being given to the Lord and, and committing them to him. If your kids are older, maybe they're gone, doesn't matter. I wanna encourage you to come forward and, and pray and ask God to, to, to bless them and just, just again, recommit them to the Lord. He's in control. He loves them. He's pursuing them. 
if you'll be faithful to him and as you restore that relationship and seek them and, 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 and always pursue a right relationship with them, we're asking God to change their hearts. So after our prayer, James is gonna come back up and sing a song over us. And as they sing, I wanna encourage you to come forward and pray over your kids. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your truth and thank you for our children. And we pray that as we commit them to you today, God, that you will hear our prayers. You will hear them and Lord, that you will honor them. Help us to be the parents that you've called us to be. And we pray for your spirit and your grace to wrap your arms around each one of our children. If they're in a wrong relationship, if they're in a bad way now, we pray that your grace would draw them back. For those that are young and still figuring it out, we pray that your grace would give them the guidance and the eyes to know your way, to know your plan. Hear our prayers now, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.